I really want people to be able to, again, turn that willingness into wins and be able to follow something, follow a plan that allows you to let go of the stress and the anxiety that this topic can create and to know that you are doing everything in your power to have impact, positive impact, and to, you know, give back to the world and show that you care and, um, yeah, just be a part of this great movement. You're listening to Conversations on a Sustainable Life with Libby O'Loughlin and Renee LaPlante. Well, let's start with a good morning. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, Libby. Good morning, Renee. We're back. We're here. We're, We're podcasting. And uh, you have some, well, let's just say a treat for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a treat. I love it. We, yes, today we decided we're going to look at um, this space of, I guess what I'm calling the decarbonista method, uh, but basically looking at your footprint numbers, understanding your areas of impact, setting goals, and then setting yourself up for success to actually achieve those goals which is often a different exercise than just the mental part um, of, of wanting to set the goals and thinking about it. Um, yeah, so that would be my proposal for today. And I'm happy to start diving in with an example, which is my own personal footprint. Yeah, well, uh, so can I just say, let's just also put it in kind of a context as well, because um, of course. we've been talking over the process of writing the book, haven't we, about yes. um, these wisdom systems that we have going on. And Indeed. Um, we've talked about it in terms of the head, the heart, and the gut, mm-hmm. and how each has a, a different kind of function, if you like, in our a wisdom in our, in our life yeah. um, as a human being. <laughs> and this particular stuff that we're going to talk about today falls well and squarely into the head wisdom system, doesn't it? It does. Exactly. And we need this, you know, in order to make progress. And yet it's not the only thing we need. And so um, for me, it's really exciting to be aware of that, that, you know, that there's an intellectual element of what we're doing to reduce our carbon footprints and to um, move into sustainability and yet it's not the whole picture. It's, and it's not the whole force that we will be able to harness in order to make it happen. Mm. Okay, fire away. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So the idea here, I think, is a little bit like um, getting your head around training yourself. So um, everybody comes you know, to their life with a footprint. And if you've done your calculation already, then, you know, good for you. And you've uh, kind of started to look at that number. Um, but if you haven't, then there's a few examples that of calculators you can use on the website, on the Decarbonista website, under the tools section. And so again, this is a way to get a baseline measurement of your, um, how your lifestyle and how your life actually consumes greenhouse gases and, um, the areas that you can actually have effect on in order for it to shift that number and reduce that number. So 
One thing that I um, want to point out, though, is that in these calculators, um, we're a little bit spoiled here in Switzerland and also in the UK because the WWF has done an amazing job of creating the calculator, walking you through a bunch of steps that help you um, get the number. And at the end, it pops out top three things that you can do to reduce your footprint. Mm. And it gives you this great overview of your how many tons you have and what your average is, uh, or rather how you compare to the average in your country. And, um, you know, a, a few things like the worldwide average. So, uh, this is, again, um, we have a little bit of a head start in Switzerland and the UK in terms of being able to get those examples and recommendations really easily. And if you're doing this from another country, you're going to have to do just a little bit of a different, uh, have a, diff- a little bit of a different approach and maybe do a little bit more number crunching in order to get to these um, categories and these um, assumptions and, and build your picture of where you can have impact. Mm. Yeah. So just a heads up on that. Um, another thing is those calculators, they don't save the information typically, unless they've asked you to create a profile and log in, then it's going to be, it's going to take your info, it's going to give you a number, and then it's going to erase it at the end, because of course, they don't want to save uh, your data necessar- unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. So just if you do end up doing this, I always recommend taking a screenshot of the end results. And so that you can capture that and have that and refer back to it. So you don't have to go through the whole process of calculating all over again. And I can just attest to the fact that I have two screen caps now. Super. That are, um, you know, with the recommendations and the the pie chart of what the broken down areas are. Excellent. Yeah. And it took me, how long did it take me to find it in my email drafts? Mm. (laughs) Quite some time. 20 (laughs) minutes. Yeah. But they're there now and they're really, really handy to have as a reference. So Awesome. Yeah, so if you do if you do save them, rename your screenshots or you know save them in an email with a really obvious title. Um, and I think the other thing that's kind of helpful is that to date it, right, so that mm-hmm. you know when you took that picture, right. So this is like taking literally taking a picture of your lifestyle at this moment, and like what does that equivalent? Uh, what is the equivalent in tons? And over time, you know, it changes, right? And you will affect it as well intentionally. And so, you know, if you want to go back and refer to it, then, you know, it's helpful to have a date on that too. Mm. Cool. So Libby, tell me, um, not necessarily the numbers if you don't want to share, but if you can give me kind of an idea of the scope of how big your numbers are and like which areas of your life did you, in that pie chart, does it tell yeah. you that? So, um, okay. My pie chart was done on, in, in sept- July, mm-hmm. July last year. So it's weighted very much towards travel for me. It was 62% of travel wow. out, of, mm-hmm. out of my 13 tons or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, I, I really should have done that calculation again. Um, Mm -hmm. in fact, I will do that calculation again. You always can. Um, Yeah. Um, and I think basically nature took care of the travel department for me by Mm -hmm. bringing on the pandemic. So, um, yeah, the rest, the rest of the stuff, um, my food footprint was like 10% of my total footprint Mm -hmm. stuff. Like they, they categorize it in food, travel, home and stuff Mm -hmm. more or less. And 
food was the smallest for me. And okay. uh, home and stuff was pretty equal. So Okay. Mm. Nice. And the food, I mean, you already um, cook in a vegan household and have... Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's yeah. 100% vegan. It, it's it's plant-strong, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why awesome. it's... it's um, that's why it's quite low. low. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also know you have family in Australia, so that's probably yeah, where the travel... that's, that's mm-hmm. the big... Yeah, that's the big 62% for me because I had done a trip to Australia in the time that I measured. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And did it give you a, like, municipal or a uh, country uh, portion of your footprint? Um, no. No. Okay. Sometimes these calculators do. And if they do, then I kind of wanted to show a little bit or talk a little bit about how that, like, what that matters. Like, what's that made up of and um, whether or not you can kind of control it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense of our consumption, so the things that we're 100% responsible or capable of affecting, um, there's kind of a proportion, an average proportion, which is 60% in general we can directly affect and 40% we can't. And yeah. why is that, right? And we've talked about this a little bit before in other episodes, that that 40% in, again, it really differs on the person, right? In my mm-hmm. footprint, it's 16% when I took the first measurement. So, you know, 48% and 16% is extremely different. But in any case, the point is, is that there is a kind of a portion of your footprint that is fixed almost. And I mean, fixed in the sense of where you live determines that. Okay. So if you have, if you live in a city and you have a public transportation system and there's like, you know, Uh, infrastructure, bridges, roads, um, police, uh, hospitals, um, you know, plumbing, all of that stuff that is um, part of the place in which you live, every person gets a little slice of that to attribute to themselves. Mm. And that varies considerably based on the city or if you live in more of an uh, agricultural area or, um, you know, every city is different too. I mean, the the uh, something that I learned uh, by talking to some sustainability consultants who are my technical advisors is that in Switzerland, there's a lot of roadworks, a lot of improvements, and um, mm-hmm. they keep everything very, very running very, very well. And there's actually a negative side to that, which is that it actually causes the use of more greenhouse gases, right? In order to build and rebuild and uh, repave and uh, change all the light bulbs and uh, keep the, you know, plumbing and the uh, municipal um, sewage system working. And, Mm. you know, we have a great benefit from a lifestyle perspective of living in a city that has this wonderful, you know, working systems, uh, you know, everywhere. And yet there is a side to that, which means it adds to our footprints. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that you affect those largely comes down to community participation in decision-making and voting, right? Yeah, yeah. So this, yeah, exactly, the voting part. Mm Mm-hmm. And we, it's, it's slow, and it's also not everybody can participate, right? And mm-hmm. so I've recently become a Swiss citizen, so I can vote now. But, you know, two years ago, I couldn't. So um, I wouldn't have had a say in all of that, necessarily. Mm-hmm. 
So I want to just point that out because I kind of want to put it on the side now. <laughs> it's like the side dish of our entree today, yeah. uh, of our treat, because the main dish is really about the things that we have direct influence over. And um, uh, there's, you know, in that footprint calculation, as you pointed out, Libby, there are, there's food, there's um, travel, there's the consumption, which is like home and the stuff. And there's also energy in there, um, which is, well, we can talk a little bit about energy and what that means. And I would also add into that footprint, and even those the calculators don't do a fantastic job calculating it because everyone's lives are truly mm. unique, is like how many your investments, right? Your financial picture actually affects your footprint as well. So where you're saving your money, um, where you're, maybe you have a... Um, uh, a 401k, you know, long-term savings, short-term savings, where you have maybe land and, uh, and other investments. And so there's a lot in that footprint. And that is why um, the Decarbonista method is really approaching this in the sense of we want to um, be really thoughtful that everybody has their own lives and everybody has their own way of doing things and totally, completely different mix of that picture and so how do we empower you to kind of see that picture and make change for yourself and know, you know, that that picture is very different for your friend who might be sitting next to you or, you know, you and I, Libby, have very different pictures. Mm -hmm. And yet we can still make change and we can still share our wins with each other and we can um, support each other. And yet we don't have to kind of know the details, Right. And we don't have to be worried about those details um, of each other because we can really focus on our own zones and, um, yeah, do the things that are meaningful and impactful in our own lives. Mm. And that kind of brings me to one of the decarbonista principles, which is to focus on your own impact first. And really, this is about your own self and not about other people. And it's not about doing something and then trying to convince other people. But that this work is, you know, to look at your footprint, to see where you have opportunities, to work on those opportunities, to have successes, be feel proud and, and accomplish and keep going, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that I love to remind everyone of, that this isn't a moment to get judgy. It's a moment to really, yeah, work on your own space. Mm. So one, let's, okay. So we covered the, the kind of the 40, 60 split, which I call the, um, the direct in, and indirect influence that you can have. And we covered a little bit of the categories of where you can have impact. Now, when I, um, so Libby, curious, mm -hmm. on the top three kind of recommendations that you got from the WWF calculator, mm -hmm. um, what were kind of the suggestions that they gave you and how many tons could you save by taking those steps? Um, Do you have that? I have that they set me a target. Oh, cool. Um, That's interesting. That the su the suggestion is that, like the twenty twenty target for me, it actually looks like I might have not done the Swiss version though. I think you did the UK one because yeah, the, the way UK that you're one. describing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, which is okay. That's helpful, actually. <laughs> the 2020 target for me was to get down to 10 tons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was okay. 134% of um, what my impact should be on the world, mm-hmm. as set by the, the UK government, measured against nice. the 2020 targets for people. So, okay. Yeah. As I said, I think probably I'd be under that, quite a bit under that. Yes, exactly. Because, so yeah, of that flight to Australia. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of, so when you, um, you know, when, as you said, the pandemic kind of took care of the fact that you couldn't fly. I mean, the fact is, is that flying was, as you said, it was your largest uh, quantity, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and for that matter, flying, deciding to fly or not was fully in your wheelhouse, right? Like you could mm-hmm. make that decision totally. yep. and you didn't have to depend on anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Perhaps there's a conversation to happen in your family. Of course, there's some sort of emotional connection to uh, the, the idea of flying and the, the act of flying and going and seeing your family and whatnot. So, you know, there, I'm not saying it's a simple decision that it's easy mm-hmm. to just say, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. But the point is, is that you would complete or nearly full decision-making power over mm-hmm. that, yep. right? Exactly. So that's, that's actually another principle of decarbonista is to definitely start in those areas where you can have complete or nearly full decision-making power. Mm. And that will allow you to have quick wins. And that will give you also that full discretion on making the decision, right? So you don't have to go and then convince three people of this, or you don't have to go and for that matter, um, change something dramatic, right? Like in your home or like re, uh, buy a new appliance or what have you. Right. So, so I think, um, that's another thing that I would encourage people to do as they're looking at this result of their footprint is to find those things where they have, where you have full decision-making power and you know, you can have a quick win. Mm. I think probably food is a good example of that for many people. Exactly. That as well. Exactly. Mm. So food and travel tend to be the two areas that are the most, um, you know, flexible, if you will, like where we really can um, have, uh, yeah, we can, we can make decisions without having to convince a whole bunch of other people, Mm. Um, you know, and whereas like mobility getting around and transport um, on a daily basis, you, you might feel a little bit more locked in because you're, you know, you've already bought the car and you already have a commute and you have, you know, um, you have places you need to be or you have a schedule you're following. And so that starts to get more into the, you know, mm-hmm. difficult zone. Um, and I think there's also an area where people have a lot of power and a lot of decision-making power, but is it's not always... Um, super, it doesn't feel so easy, which is around buying like clothes or, um, extra needs for your home. Right. Mm. So like, um, small things, right. But Mm. small, but regular things and clothing in particular. And I'm going to come to clothing a little bit in a little bit, because I think there's something special going on there with clothing. Mm. So then Having looked at that um, first number, so so knowing that travel was your big area of opportunity and um, knowing that you had full discretion, you were able to essentially say, well, I can't fly right now because of the pandemic anyway, but should you be able to fly again 
that you know that that's an area where you can make a big change to your footprint, a big reduction with a small decision, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, the cynic is clicking in here. Yeah. Um, Tell me all about her. <laughs> <laughs> Only because we've discussed this before mm-hmm. that, um, and you have a quite a good uh, mechanism, I suppose, for working through these kinds of uh, emotional decisions because mm-hmm. I think when it comes to visiting family, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is really, I would say, one of the main reasons we're on this planet is connecting with people and mm-hmm. loved ones and so on. And so, yes, it sounds like a very simple uh, decision when it comes to, you know, will I take the car to the shop or will I cycle or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But when yeah. it's like these big impact ones where you put a lot of energy and resources into deciding I'm going to go on this world trip or I'm going to, you know, I've been waiting to do this for years and I have my, I've finally been at the company long enough to take, you know, six months off or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we're getting into more tricky decision-making territory. And, and I think we, we talked about this. I'm not sure whether it was when we were um, writing or in a previous episode, Mm -hmm. But there were so, there's some steps that you can take to sort of ask yourself about the values that you're holding mm-hmm. um, in making that decision, it, you know, and maybe you can refresh my memory on, on this better. Definitely. Um, but I think it was definitely around being able to look at what the, what the trip that you're planning means to you, what the values mm-hmm. are behind that, what you uh, – I don't like to put it in a sort of a um, – exchange terminology like Mm -hmm. what do I get out of it but it Mm -hmm. it is a bit like that isn't it it's like what are the benefits of this what why what am I going to get from this experience and are there other ways that I can um, get the same effect you know like zooming my loved one or whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I just think it's important to put that in there because it does sound like if you're just using your head wisdom wisdom system you can go well clearly I don't travel to visit my loved ones or whatever that's logical and yet because we're complex beings our heart will kick in or our gut will get all fired up about well I deserve to you know have this this vacation or whatever you know so so I think it's important to flag that absolutely and you've outlined really well already kind of the approach to coming to terms with that decision, right? So, um, for example, I used to travel, I used to go see my family at least twice a year um, from Switzerland, and um, or I would travel, I would say, to across the Atlantic twice a year. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that was on top of any kind of local or regional travel that I would do in Europe. And for whatever reason, like just flying felt really normal. And, you know, I didn't really do a lot of train travel in the beginning of all of this um, discovery. So um, I did from time to time, but it was, you know, flying was like, it was a cost benefit analysis. It was like, how much would it cost? How much time would it take? And I would, you know, that was the decision making. 
but what you outlined there was um, this idea that we should really look at the what's behind that travel. So why did I want to go see my family, mm. right? So why did mm. I want to go? Well, it, it was largely, you know, it's always about you know, reconnecting with my loved ones and seeing people that I haven't seen in ages. And it, it's, you know, part of me, it's part of my life, it's part of my um, happiness, right, to mm. be connected. And... Um, and then when I kind of broke it down and I looked at it, I was like, well, am I really getting what I need in terms of what I'm wishing for from that travel? Am I really getting what I'm wishing for by doing that trip? Mm. And when I looked at that really carefully, I mean, without going into like massive detail, what I realized was, you know, what I actually wanted was an ongoing connection with my family. I wanted to talk to my brother more. I wanted to see my dad. I wanted to know what was going on in their day-to-day lives. And every time I would go for like a week or a week and a half, it was like this, it was really a different experience than what I actually Mm -hmm. wanted. And Mm -hmm. it also came along with jet lag. It also came along with, um, you know, usually like a upset stomach, Um, Mm -hmm. maybe even I caught a cold on the airplane. Um, it was a high, you know, financial cost. Um, there was always something, you know, happening that was probably disappointing. I'd have to drive a car everywhere and that kind of felt like, oh, bummer. I had to rent a car and you know what I mean? So there was, I was really, I really looked at the true, uh, benefits and the true costs. And maybe you weren't cognizant of those things before. Exactly. Because you know, I, sometimes I think those things just get kind of swept under the carpet or pushed into the background and as a low-level mm-hmm. stress or whatever as well. So Definitely, yeah. definitely. And don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed, you know, getting a chance mm-hmm. to have, mm-hmm. like, the local cuisine or to, like, hug my friends or my family, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, just to, like, have some good laughs, like, live, you know. Mm-hmm. And that said... Um, what this, the exercise simply just allowed me to be able to say, oh, you know, let me just do this well instead of doing it as a habit or doing it as a, out of a, 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 something that I've gotten used to, which is traveling there twice a year and like that, that perfunctory trip that I have to do and whatnot, right? Mm. Into what am I trying to get out of this and let me get out of this, like what I actually wish for and what I actually want. And so I actually was able to, easily detach from the travel and the, the, the CO2 related to getting on the airplane and all of that by going through this exercise and realizing that for me, I wanted to have regular connections. And what can cause regular connections? Well, I have two choices. I can move back and live there, right? With them. Which, which some people have done. Exactly. Think, yeah. Especially in the past year, a lot of, I know I've had yes, a lot of people have so said, true. you know what? I'm going back. I'm going back yeah. home. <laughs> Absolutely. Which yeah. is definitely an option. And, or I could find a different way by scheduling regular Zooms, having these check-ins, you know, being more spontaneous about saying hi, um, sending emails, sending photos, you know, mm-hmm. connecting in different ways, right? And, you know, don't get me wrong, it still costs CO2 to get on a Zoom. It still costs, you know, energy to send an email and for the, you know, that to happen. Like, we're not, uh, I'm not, you know, pretending that that doesn't cause greenhouse gases. Um, the, the 
savings on my footprint were enormous by not getting on the plane. And my emotional kind of uh, connection to my family also got better. So mm-hmm. by, by making those trade-offs. Because you so, were clear on it. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I mean, the, the, I want to add, like, it is not acceptable in my, you know, personal world to completely prohibit myself from things. So by telling my, I'm not telling myself I'm never going to fly there again, or mm-hmm. I'm never going to, you know, jump on a plane if somebody got sick and I needed to be there in 24 hours, you know, mm-hmm. like, that's not the point. The point is that, you know, I know now what that trade-off is between the CO2 and my footprint and what I'm actually getting from that, those experiences, I'm very aware and I do this very intentionally. And I am, and, and telling myself I can't have it is only going to make me want it. So, <laughs> you know, that's not going to work. So, I love how you, you know, game yourself, Renee. <laughs> This is so important to know how you work, right? So that is something that I would encourage everyone to also contemplate is this, um, what is going on there? Are you having, you know, what are you reacting to? What are you wishing for? Are you actually getting it? And like asking compassionately challenging yourself Mm. to know those answers uh, in a very true way, as opposed to a a way that you're just assuming that you know your needs are going to get met because you're doing something that you've always done, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think it's possible to get to the bottom of a lot of those um, decisions and a lot of those things that we've baked into our lives that feel like needs um, by going through that exploration and that the mm. compassionate questioning mm. um and that'll that should be part of this process right like um i'm not pretending that you're going to have you know a, a completely mental like clean logical experience doing this step and going through these um analyses and so i would highly recommend um giving yourself some space for those thoughts and maybe mm. even journaling about it or like allowing yourself to talk it through with someone else um and to reflect on it and to observe yourself um, a bit during this mm. process of making a decision about what goals you do want to set mm. okay and i should just say that on the the second page of my uh screen caps here mm-hmm. of the calculation it does have um, a footprint of mm-hmm. where I sit in, um, in comparison with the UK average and with the world. And mm-hmm. that's uh, also a really kind of nice impetus for mm-hmm. me anyway, because the world average at the time was like half of my emissions. Mm-hmm. So hello, privileged person. <laughs> it's time to totally buckle yeah. up. Yeah. So. Yeah. And did you get also a planet reading? So like where it tells you how many planets you consume from the UK one? No. No. Okay. Maybe, maybe I do that now. I can, I'll, I'll have to go and have a look, but. Um, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's something that was offered anyway with the Swiss one. And, um, it, it still is cause I recalculated my footprint a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, but back in the day I have, uh, you know, it tells me that I was, um, consuming 4.13 planets. With my way of living. Wow. Uh-huh. And did it and go down? 
It has gone down. I've actually, um, I'm under the Swiss average now. Uh-huh, yeah. And I'm close to the worldwide average. What, what's the average tonnage in Switzerland? Switzerland, this is back in 2018, the reading was 13.51 tons. Okay, yeah. Yeah, which is very high also compared to that worldwide average. So, and, and by the way, these are averages. It's not, you know, the case that everyone has this low of a number, mm. this high of a number, right? So it, that's why it's really important to me that we are doing this for ourselves with our own numbers, with our own, um, you know, space. And, and you don't have to share it with anyone. Um, but if you do, you know, want to kind of break that down and share it and kind of talk it through with people, that's okay too. Because like, again, we're not judging. And the important thing is to really understand it mm. well enough yeah. that you can you can say, am I, why is this happening? Why is this like this for me? Um, you know, my personal choices are causing mm -hmm. this. So exactly. And, and I think what is that, in there, I mean, you know, there really is absolutely no point in comparing to someone else, because when I look at my household setup compared to someone else, and I know, mm -hmm. I know exactly, I'm quite cognizant of all the decisions that I'm making, um, and why I'm making them. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are areas that I'm, I'm not, you know, being mm -hmm. as minimalist as I would perhaps like to be. But at the same time, I'm <laughs> yeah. also, you know, <clears throat> in a family setup. And there are times when you have a kid that grows every day. They're suddenly like two, two centimeters mm -hmm. taller or what have you. And so they need more clothes and all that sort of thing. And it's so mm -hmm. different for everyone. Like everyone's at a different stage in their lives with different, you know, family constellations. And, you know, it's just... It's just absolutely meaningless to compare yourself to someone else, which is, which is why that you know it's kind of good to have the average number, I think, so that you can kind of just give yourself a bit of a ballpark. Um, but mm -hmm. I don't put too much stock in that number myself. Yeah, so. for sure. And you can look at these numbers, by the way, by country. So uh, the American you know average is extremely high compared to like India for example. And it's because there are a lot of people in India and they might have an overall high footprint, but each individual has a quite a low one, right? And same for China. It's a really interesting thing. They have a huge population, but the, every individual, you know, if you look at the average, has a, quite a low footprint. And yet in America, it's quite high per person. So what's going on there, right? And like, this is really about in my opinion, it's really about sparking the curiosity mm -hmm. to figure it out, figure out and what is behind all of this. Yes, exactly. What's in your control and control is like, you know, in your own personal space is one thing. And then there's influence, which again is something I'm super passionate about. And we all have the capacity to influence others. And so, um, that's, you know, mm -hmm. down the line in terms of, um, you know, not for today, but it is something that we can have huge, a uh, huge impact on, um, in terms of lowering footprints and lowering carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases by using influencing mm -hmm. techniques. So we've kind of talked a little bit about the, the high level numbers, your kind of areas of of uh, opportunity, right? So if they're broken down, like, is it in your food? Is it in their travel? Is it in your energy use? Is it in your home? Is it in your, uh, the regular stuff you buy? 
Um, so where, where is that space for you? Right. And that takes, that's really your self-reflection to discover, um, your biggest opportunities. And one thing that I want to point out is that you might want to take a, f- a week or two to think about this and experiment a little bit, right? Like, so if you think that travel and food are your two areas of biggest, um, kind of personal decision-making power and opportunity for change, then, play around with a couple things in that space, right? Like try to uh, create a a test for yourself, essentially, Um, a little pilot program to see if you are up for making a goal and a commitment in that space. So an example that I can give of myself doing this is when I was, um, I was looking at food first because I had a fairly small footprint actually in food in terms of my percentage, but I knew that I was eating a lot of meat. And actually at the time I was eating meat, I want to say twice a day. And to me, it had just become normal. It was like, I didn't have it, you know, I checked, I was like, I didn't have it for breakfast. Like maybe I would have a little something for breakfast or like an egg or something. But at lunch and dinner, I was like, I I have to have meat. It was like this thing that I told myself Mm. I had to have it. And, um, and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to test that assumption. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to like introduce twice a week for dinner. I'm going to do vegetarian, Mm. just do it, you know? And that was pretty simple for me to do. Um, but I had to like change a little bit of like how I, uh, you know, what I bought and I had to kind of stop myself if I was kind of reaching for the meat package in the fridge and stuff. So, you know, but I just, I played around with it and I, I got fairly confident that I would be able to affect Mm -hmm. that space in my life. And I also buy our groceries. So, um, for the whole family. So I got to be a little bit of a, uh, you know, hierarchical (laughs) tyrant on that topic. (laughs) So that was a little fun. Um, and then from there, uh, what I realized was that actually the third decarbonista principle, which I want to point out, which is use data to keep you centered on having maximum impact. So if I was going to um, eliminate some meat from my diet, then where could I have the biggest impact, right? Like what should I focus on in order to do that really well? And to if I'm not going to go I mean, if if I'm going to go without meat, then I should pick something that's going to have positive impact for the world. And therefore I choose to reduce beef from my diet specifically. And since then, I've also learned that, um, veal, mutton, lamb, and crustaceans are also, um, in addition to beef, the highest CO2 or greenhouse gas, um, producing meats that we can choose. So, um, but I didn't know about that at the time. So instead I just like, I decided I would just completely strike beef from my diet and Mm. keep going. Mm. Right. So, um, so that was like an extra, um, thing that I knew was quantifiable and like would make a, Mm. a quantifiable impact. And another area. So I guess this is kind of showing something that is important to be aware of as you get into this is that you probably can't reduce your footprint like really dramatically unless you focus on more than Mm. one area. So food was a big thing and food waste in my household. But then I also decided I was going to make an executive decision to reduce flying, right? So that enabled me to 
really chop off a big amount. And at the time, um, it, my commitment was that I would only take one long haul and one short haul flight, um, uh, per, you know, in that next year. And that would allow me to drop 3,500 kilograms off of my footprint. So that was a big contribution to my reduction, right? Thank you, Renee. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think? How do you react to all that? Yeah, well, I think it's a, um, it sort of takes the um, stress, if you like, out of it in a sense because you, it's a very logical way of working through it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's useful when we're approaching this kind of a task because it's pretty big. So mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to get clear on that and, um, you know, work out which which things are going to make the 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 biggest impact, but also, yeah, within the context of what we can do ourselves. So, yeah, cool. I mean, this is, um, I think there's something embedded in this kind of analysis and like trying to find your goal and, and saying, I'm going to, you know, commit to one long haul flight and one short haul flight only, or I'm going to eliminate beef from my diet, mm. or I'm going to cook vegan, you know, or vegetarian, um, a certain number of times per week. Mm. Um, there's some, there's some like mathematical calculations in there, right. That allow us to kind of ev- estimate what kind of reduction, what kind of savings are we going to get mm. by doing those steps? And I want to say really, you know, kind of fairly and like kind of transparently that those aren't easy calculations today. Um, There's a couple of decent tools out there that allow you to say, you know, kind of put in um, how much, for example, how much a flight is uh, a particular flight costs in terms of greenhouse gas. Um, What would eliminating beef from my diet do if you're like a, a really frequent beef eater, then, you know, you'll, you're going to get more of a drop if you take it out than me. So I only, um, I estimated that I would lose 600 kilograms by eliminating beef from my diet. Mm -hmm. And, but someone who's like eating beef very, very regularly is, could, you know, reduce up to a thousand kilograms actually, or a whole ton by taking it out from their diet completely. So there's some, you know, unfortunately, like these numbers are not readily available to us, particularly because our lives are different, mm. right? So the, how much I eat versus how much you eat mm. is different, right? And so you, you, have, you have to do some um, guesstimating around what are those numbers in order to kind of set yourself a goal and, and set yourself a meaningful goal. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that that does take some effort. And I think something that I'll put on my to-do list is to explore, um, giving some guidance around like, here's some calculators that are, that I've used in the past that have worked really well, or some cheat sheets. Um, the Mm. WWF has a really good one and talks about the top 10 things you can do to reduce your footprint. And it's really quantified. Um, and you know, the rest of it, we have to kind of kind of make uh, quantifiable in a in a way that is fair um, and vague essentially mm. but the, in the end what I ended up deciding was I wanted to reduce um, I, I, I thought that I could reduce by 5,400 kilograms or 5.4 tons 
of CO2 by taking four specific steps. And so I set those goals and I was very clear with myself that these are my goals, right? And setting goals, that's one thing. And then there's the <laughs> the actual step of accomplishing those goals, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is there, Libby, a goal that you've ever set that you kind of were able to kind of perceive as the goal and then break it down and be able to, you know, meet. Is it, do you have an experience having done that? Um, well, so for me, like, for example, when I first saw my footprint, mm-hmm. I was like, travel, okay, well, clearly that's going to be the one that I need to address. Mm-hmm. And then I, I thought, well, okay, that's all great. But, you know, if there's something like a family emergency and I need to go back to Australia, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe I don't have as much control over that one in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to sort of look at all of the, the different areas. Mm-hmm. And I originally set the food waste as the, nice. the next best one. And that was when you, when you were like, Libby, weigh your compost. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started, I started doing, I don't have actually have the numbers, but I started doing that. And then, and then I got really annoyed because mm. at the time we had like, you know varying numbers of people here like sometimes it was just three of us sometimes it was five sometimes Mm. it was four for you know for quite some periods of time and I was like how am I ever going to have like a real baseline here Mm -hmm. and so I actually abandoned that and just made a decision that I was going to be vigilant you know and just double check every time I saw a bit of food that was, was I would go okay can I actually eat that you know, mm-hmm. who can I make eat that? Yeah. <laughs> and those sorts of things. Um, so that's not very data related, I have to say. But that was my approach to it when I couldn't uh-huh. see a way forward. With right. the, you know, getting the baseline happening. Yeah. Um, which doesn't really answer your question because we're talking about having success and, and I'm talking about not having the kind of success you're talking about, I think. <laughs> Well, let's break it down a little. So what I learned by going to a zero waste workshop once here in Switzerland was that the Swiss average of waste is about 750 kilograms per year. Okay. So um, one thing that I think what you're highlighting is that, you know, you didn't, you don't know unless you're like weighing your garbage and doing some calculations, basically every a month or every weeks or whatever, right? Um, and and tracking all of your waste. Um, is that per person or per household? That is. Ooh, that's a good question. I think that's per person. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, it's an average, right? So I was like, okay, but we can start with that as an as a mental kind of bookmark, and yep. say, um, you know, if you're going to if you, if you want to reduce that, um, what are the things that you could do? in general, to reduce your waste, right? And if you look at waste, well, I mean, I'll just share the things that I've done, which is I decided I would recycle every bit of plastic or, you know, metal or what have you, right? Anything that was capable of being recycled, I would make sure it didn't go into the garbage bin. Mm -hmm. Another thing is, yeah, food waste. So um, I would avoid food waste first at all costs. And then secondly, if I had food waste, I would compost it. So I would make sure it doesn't go into the garbage bin. Okay. And Mm -hmm. so that actually, those two steps alone um, reduced my waste quite a lot. 
And mm -hmm. when I did this calculation, I, I um, estimated because of how much vegetables and, you know, kind of... Um, bio. Products. Yeah, bio waste, right? Um, I decided I would um, give myself 300 kilograms was the amount that I was saving by, uh, you know, making sure things like that didn't go into the bin, into mm. the garbage bin, right? So... I put that on my list of a goal. So I would absolutely compost, dedicated to composting and um, dedicated to recycling. Okay. Mm. And by doing that, I would save 300 kilograms. So that's mm -hmm. the number that I came up with. And so you could probably come up with a similar target number, right? So let's imagine you also had 300 kilograms that you could save um, by doing that composting and or by uh, eliminating that food waste. And then it's a question of what are the steps that you will take in order to achieve that, right? So you've kind of done it the other way around, whereas mm -hmm. I was really starting with the number and I was kind of building my plan according to that number, but you were mm -hmm. really doing it the other way around. You're like, what in my life can I do that will help me to minimize this waste? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And actually when you, when you talk about that, I think it's also, it works the other way for many of the areas mm -hmm. where I go I don't need anything I'm going to start with the 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 um precept that I don't need to any buy any stuff or I don't need mm -hmm. any whatever yeah and if I build it in then I have to have a reason for doing it mm -hmm. so I think I kind of do it the other also the um I already probably do those things like compost, except for the occasional tea bag, which we've discussed <laughs> before. <laughs> I've got the image right now. Um, you whipping it around. And yeah, for for the uh, the now occasionally I I could get better at, at separating envelopes. You know, if they've got a plastic thing here, like or, or cardboard boxes if there's plastic on it, or you know what I mean. Yeah, that sort yeah. Of thing. Um, but yeah. Okay, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Well, the main thing, the point that I want to make with all of this is like when, so for me, what works really well is I have a number, that number is a meaningful, right? So again, my goal of total year over year reduction was 5,400 kilograms. It was broken into four things, four specific things that had numbers associated with them. That allows me to then say, okay. I need to set myself up for success. How am I going to achieve this? Right. And it, it really allowed me to focus and keep, um, you know, and, and to reduce the guilt, by the way, of all the other things that mm -hmm, I could mm -hmm. be doing that I wasn't doing, because actually this was a meaningful goal and it was also real progress in my life. Mm -hmm. So that is, if you, if you will, the reason why I advocate for creating some sort of goal, some sort of numerical reference point for yourself, um, because it allows you to participate in reduction of very particular things that are meaningful and that are impactful mm -hmm. and let the other stuff go for now. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I yeah. completely see that that's, uh, yeah, we need to have, we need to understand this approach and we need to, um, basically everyone can benefit from it and there's no point in being afraid of trying to do it mm -hmm. because if your natural way of being is not the kind of head body wisdom 
mm-hmm. head head wisdom system. Like if you're leaning in in other directions in your mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. your general being, um, you can still benefit from this. It's not um it's not a case of, oh no, I do it my way. It's a case of, yeah, this is actually a way that works, and yeah. I can I can make have a go at this. Totally. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, really, it's an offering out to anybody who connects with it. And, you know, you and I do think like the biggest benefit is being able to stay focused, know that you're doing something meaningful and then allow yourself to let go of the other little things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, what a good example of this is grocery shopping. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I go grocery shopping and, you know, I forget my little net bags and I have to use a plastic bag because I was working on this method. You know, I was working on these numbers and these goals and they were specifically focused on vegetarian cooking on eliminating beef and so on. And I was using my energy and that willpower, right. Towards those activities in the grocery store. And you know, I did not feel guilty about using a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you think Isn't of that like the rebound, not yet, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> okay. But the plastic bag is like, it's, it's like, okay, from time to time I have to use a plastic bag. I grab one. It's like, I'm, I did not feel guilty in that moment. Now I have to say like by now, year two, I'm getting into these little small incremental things. And so that's mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. But back in 2019, I knew that if I put my energy into the other things, I would have bigger impact than worrying about that one plastic bag or those two plastic bags. Okay. And, yeah, and, and can I also say that if, if you're in that situation and you're more like I am, mm-hmm. I don't choose the plastic bag. I just have stuff falling all over the place <laughs> and I get really embarrassed. <laughs> like rolling it creates, oranges a, it creates and... a different kind of stress, you know? So totally. Yeah. Mm. And, and yet, uh, you know, I, in some respects, you know, Libby, if you are working on reducing your footprint by five tons through other means this year, and that those other means have nothing to do with using plastic bags, then I'm just going to say, take the plastic bag and don't stress yourself out because that stress will reduce your willpower. It will degrade your ability to achieve the reduction in those other areas, right? Yeah, that was kind of what I was trying to illustrate, that in fact, it seems like I'm being virtuous and doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But in fact, first of all, I don't know what the eco footprint of that plastic bag is. Yeah. And that's important to know as well, because, Mm -hmm. you know, until we have the kind of tracking system that we're working on at the moment in Recarbonex, where you can actually see what the footprint, like whether that mm-hmm. plastic bag is actually better than that paper bag or whether it's better than that, even that string bag. Who knows whether that had a huge emission thing to... Good point. You know, so uh, yeah, it just adds a whole nother layer of um, stress which takes away from your energy. So I think this this concept of yeah. making your decisions prior to when you're actually in the situation Absolutely. is extremely helpful. That's exactly right. And it's also focused on data and impact, right? Instead of incremental, tiny, everyday, niggling away at you, taking away your energy, you know, like making you feel guilty. And like, then you're like completely immobilized to like, you know, buy the 
tofu instead of the beef and you just buy the beef because you're exhausted and mm-hmm. you know you're going to the you know like the point is it's like we can actually manage ourselves and our and and use our energy and direct our energy into the goals that have impact and that mm-hmm. is why I'm such a big advocate of taking this approach mm, I don't think you can emphasize that enough actually because um, I think the job that we have on our hands right now is gargantuan mm-hmm and we were discussing this earlier today, how yeah. it's just huge. Yes. And um, this concept of energy is something that we have to keep coming back to and managing mm-hmm. our energy and really flowing with our own energy. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're absolutely right that those decisions that we can can make that really support us in our kind of broader energy and balance, yeah. if you like, um, are critical. So true. So true. Can I interject something in here, which is this topic that we, we, I brought up before, which was about clothing and how clothing is like an area again, where we can actually, um, have a really big impact depending on, you know, how much you consume. And if you're like kind of a regular, um, season, you know, if you like to go with the seasons and whatnot, um, clothing is, really difficult it's it's a difficult area to affect anything that kind of in fashion or in self-expression if you will because Mm -hmm. it's tied in with our identity right Mm -hmm. and it gets really sticky and difficult to be like i'm gonna you know switch to secondhand jewelry or you know only buy secondhand clothes or something right like i know that it's really sensitive for people and um I can tell you that in my experience, one of the ways, and so I started tackling clothing in 2020, actually, because it was something that I just, um, again, I had my list for 2019 and I knew I was working on it and I, I did nail it, by the way, I'm happy to say that I was able to reduce by 5,400 kilograms. Yeah. Five sister. Thank you. Thank you. And then I kept going. Right. And so then I was looking at the next areas for opportunity and clothing was one of them. I loved clothing and I love, um, by the way, uh, home furnishings and I had a second Mm -hmm. home, um, which I would love to, you know, buy new pillows for and new blankets for and what have you. And all of those things, um, I had to figure out how to kind of intervene. I had to create an intervention for myself because it really was like much deeper than my brain that was like causing me to like consume in those spaces. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'll just throw it out there that um, what really worked for me was going onto this website called Colaction and committing to a three-month no-buying pledge and putting it out there that I was going to do that and I was going to join the other thousands of people. There were like 10,000 people doing this at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that helped break my habits, okay? So sometimes these things are truly um, embedded in us and they're like deeply rooted in things like messages from our families and mm-hmm. behaviors that we've collected. And, you know, so um, those kinds... Yeah, the thing is you won't know unless you challenge it. Exactly. I love it. You're right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So like, I want to, I just want to throw that in there because um, when you're exploring kind of where you do want to set your goals just again, you, it's all about very keen self-awareness and thinking through like what really feels hard for you and what are areas that feel a little easier. So, Mm. and when you're first getting started, go for the easy ones, go for the low hanging fruit, quick wins. I mean, really sometimes those are also big carbon savings and sometimes Mm -hmm. those are just 
confidence builders, okay? And they're small and confidence building. But to in order to get you into the system, into the thinking, into the the approach so that you can then continue to make big impact and have big wins. All right. Mm. Next step. Yeah. So the <laughs> last thing that I want to point out with all of this is this uh, fourth decarbonista principle, which is to be aware of the rebound effect and plan for it. Okay. So the rebound effect is we've kind of uh, voiced in a past episode is when you, um, you take an action that is changing the dynamic of your footprint. So let's say you move from plastic bottled sparkling water to a glass sparkling water, right? And um, you move from uh, this is just a scenario that I came across recently where you, you go to the grocery store, you buy your plastic bottles and you take them home. But then when you want to switch to glass, because glass is, you know, reusable and more environmentally friendly, you end up having to drive your car to the grocery store in order to buy them because they're really heavy to lug them home. Okay. This is a beautiful example of the rebound effect. When we think that we are making a better decision, uh, and but we're excluding some of the change the the effects of the change right Mm. and so scenario a when you've gone to the grocery store and you've bought plastic bottles and you've walked to the grocery store and you've carried them home some benefits you've gotten there were maybe you you know did some exercise um yes you bought plastic but it was lighter and in scenario b you've now you you know maybe had an incremental reduction of your footprint because you were getting sparkling water and of glass, but you've added on top additional CO two by driving the car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so there's also interactions, but kind of within these goals um, that I want to point out, and so I want to just make sure that when you are picking. Um, your battles, right? Your goals that you are also thinking of the peripheral activities that you might be inadvertently adding or changing that mm-hmm. may or may not cause additional CO2. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So how does that fit in with what I was talking about before with the plastic bag? Yes. Situation? It's a good question. So it's sort of a little bit like a, it's a little bit like a, yeah. Um, rebound thing, isn't it? Because you're kind of saying, um, actually, I've made my decisions. This is where it's going. Right. It, it seems like it's talking, you're anyway, in that situation, speaking to your, you know that your larger energy is going to be much better yes. when you just move on. You make yes. a small decision and you move on. Yes. Um, whereas the, um, the, the true rebound thing is not quite as intentional as that. Indeed. So something I'll point out is that, um, again, this is why focusing on your own personal best and not anything else is what matters, your own personal number. So if you would, again, take that snapshot of your life and my life in 2019 was I, um, I actually used those plastic bags regularly at the time. And, um, yet it was a big topic, right? It wasn't like it was, uh, you know, people were talking about plastic bags constantly. Like it was like a a shame actually, if you were going to start using, if you're using plastic bags and that's when those net bags started coming into the grocery stores Mm -hmm, and stuff. mm -hmm. So, um, the fact is, is that I already used my normal operation, operating of my life used those plastic bags, not a ton of them, but I used them. Right. And, um, but my normal 
way of living was also eating beef. And so by eliminating beef and focusing my energy on making sure I didn't buy beef in the grocery store and that that was like the thing I delivered on and hitting that goal, I continued to use the plastic bag, right? That wasn't a rebound in my particular personal situation. It was a normal behavior at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Now, once I switched to net bags, and that became part of my goals, right? Like switch to net bags, reduce waste additionally. And, you know, frankly, that's such a small calculation. I don't even think I added it into my footprint because I can't even quantify that. Um, but once I switched to net bags and had net bags been my default, then technically that would have been a rebound effect by using, taking the plastic bag. Uh-huh right? Because I was optimizing for reducing the beef and I was being efficient and not worrying and stressing about the plastic bag and I was just taking it. But it really depends on what your normal behavior is. So if you're normal to, you know, think about your normal behavior and what we're talking about is changing your normal behavior. Mm. Does that help? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yep. Yeah. And I should also say to people that I mean, I don't, actually don't know if this is helpful or if it's going to be more confusing, but when it comes to glass versus plastic, glass isn't always better. Correct. It takes a huge amount of resources and energy to, um, and like lots of emissions to mm-hmm. produce glass. So And transport it. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. It is. It's tricky. And yet that said, I would encourage our listeners to go look into why glass is mm. that way. Right. And, um, and my solution to all that, by the way, is, you know, I just try not to buy plastic for one, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm just going to try and bring my water bottle and not have to buy one. Or I'm going to, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to look in the store. I am going to look for the glass actually, and, or the can or what have you. Um, Or for that matter, just buy it fresh if you can, whatever it is, just try to get it fresh and not, it hasn't been packaged yet, right? Yeah, I think it just depends on what your focus is going to be, right? Because if if your focus is straight up emissions, then, you know, you're going to have to do some research. Yeah. But if you're, you know, if your focus is, I just think we don't need any more plastic in the world, period, then, you know... Yeah, I don't know what's your it. what's your reasoning behind the plastic situation. Well, I think um, you know, for me, plastic has a place. It's a time and a place, right? Um, mm-hmm. It belongs in medical needs, so serving medical needs. It belongs in hygiene and um, you know, keeping us safe, basically. Mm-hmm. And in other things, and in some cases that means food, right? But you know, if we're talking about you know, shall I buy the a pre-made pack, packaged bag of salad, or should I buy the head of lettuce? Like, you know, to me, that's convenience. That's not um, safety and, and, and food safety, right? It's like, I can buy the head of lettuce and wash it. I don't need the bag of lettuce, right? And so I, um, so plastic to me is like, it's, it's a time and a place. It's still critical to our world. Um, and let's use it wisely. That's how I approach it. Mm-hmm. And by the way, glass, um, I recognize that uh, the carbon impact, the emissions impact that glass has. And so what I do is I actually try to buy, when I buy glass, I try to buy the exact same um, lid size 
of all my containers. So in other mm-hmm. words, I save my glass jars and I reuse them. And mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I do that based on the size of the, the top. So I know, um, you know, if I'm buying this certain kind of peanut butter, I'm like that top, that lid is going to match my other uh, containers and I'm going to be able to reuse that glass jar. So I'm mm-hmm. going to buy it. And then that's helpful, right? Mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I am like, I have so many glass jars and I don't need any more. And f- my goodness, the recycling is overflowing. Like I really try to take a concerted effort to like, think about what kind of material do I need and what kind of product do I need and what material in which it sits mm-hmm. so that I can be Again, focusing on beating my personal best as opposed to like trying to make every calculation and having a stressful moment in the grocery store. Yeah. And the other upside of this is, of course, that the the consumer has a lot of power. So you're actually voting Mm -hmm. with your wallet when you're saying no to certain things. And, um, you know, ideally the market will hear that. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, no, I think it does. I think it does. I mean, Switzerland has um, changed its uh, profile of food. So I think Switzerland per capita is the country who consumes the most um, biological or organic food. And mm. yeah, and that hasn't always been the case, right? Like we, we are changing the profile because we are choosing that organic food more, that regenerative bio uh, agriculture more. Um, so, you know, I, I do believe in us as consumers and I do believe that we are voting like with every purchase. Um, now Libby, before I, we let everybody go, I wanted to put out there that, you know, having a goal and having this idea of a goal in your mind is only part of the, the way to be successful. Mm. Um, and I, I'll put out a worksheet on the Decarbonista website in, um, in tools, and I'll make sure that you have, uh, the promo code so that you can get it for free, um, with, I think it's podcast 2020. And what I want to point out is that there are some steps you can go through that will allow you to build yourself a robust, um, mechanism for achieving your goal. And there's kind of two elements to this. One is clearing up your competing commitments. Mm -hmm. And the other one is designing a new action for yourself that allows you to move towards the goal instead of regressing and falling into the old behavior. Mm. All right. So those to me feel like, um, you know, we we must acknowledge that we are habitual animals. We have limited self-will and we are part of a network of emotional connections and people connections. And so we're going to have competing uh, needs um, mm. that, that we can struggle with and grapple with. And um, if you can do this work to, for every goal you set, you kind of create, go through this worksheet and you think through how you're going to clear up those commitment, competing commitments and design your new action, then you can follow that And you can have that to rest on when you're in that heat of the moment and you're trying to decide or you're trying, someone's trying to convince you otherwise, or you're, um, you know, you've forgotten, you know, it for that matter, you know, because again, we get wrapped up in, in other things. Hmm. So I really want to offer that out to everyone because to me, it is, um, 
at least the way that my life works, um, I have to have systems in place. I have to have reminders. I have to have um, backup days for things when I miss them. And uh, I have to be held compassionately accountable. Otherwise, I don't actually always deliver, right? Um, and so I've developed that um, as well to supplement and complement this idea of setting the goals so that you can really truly be successful. Cool. Yay. Yeah. Thanks, Renee. My pleasure. That's such a super framework that you've got going. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. I think, well, I really wanted to help people. I really want people to be able to, again, turn that willingness into wins and mm. be able to follow something, follow a plan that allows you to let go of the stress and the anxiety that this topic can create and mm. to know that you are doing everything in your power to have impact, positive impact, and to, you know, give back to the world and show that you care and, um, yeah, just be a part of this great movement. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of the week. Yes. Everyone. Thank you. <laughs> you too. You too. And we'll, um, reconvene again soon. And we are so close to the end of writing the book. So we're gonna mm. have a couple, few more podcast episodes, and then we'll also wrap up the podcast series as well. So mm. we're thrilled that this is, um, taking shape and we hope you're enjoying it. Yep. So till next time. Yeah. Till next time. Bye Libby. Thanks for joining us. Links are in the show notes. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with your family and friends. We can all do this sustainable life thing together. And don't forget, we have a mailbag and would love to hear from you. Let us know what your challenges are and what's been helpful. Email us at sustainablemailbag at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.